Hi, welcome to Chatting to a Friend. I'm Katie Friend and in this podcast I'm chatting to incredible women about their life experiences and adventures as well as their thoughts on friendship, community, self-care, setting boundaries and how they keep healthy, happy and sane. Today's guest is Sarah Williams of Tough Girl Challenges. Sarah, honestly, you you will love this episode. She's infectious. Her chat, her conversation, her goals. She gave up a corporate career in her mid-30s because she felt grey and unhappy. And she didn't want to be that anymore. And so she decided to take some time off, decide what really made her tick, what made her happy, what would give her the best life she could possibly have. And after 18 months traveling around the world, doing various bits and pieces, she settled on setting up Tough Girl Challenges. She ran the Marathon de Saab, she through hiked the Appalachian Trail, she's been all over the world. And while she's doing that, she has been interviewing over 300 women who have done adventures and sporting achievements, extraordinary, extraordinary women with the most incredible stories to tell. And in this episode, we learn about what Sarah has learned from her own challenges, what she's learned from her amazing guests, and really how you can put all these things, the journey, the goals that you set, how you can make it into giving yourself a better life. It's hard to explain how inspired I am by Sarah anyway, but even more so by having this conversation. She's just a ray of light and really just listen, have a good, really good listen, take away what you can from uh, what she says and then go and binge listen her to her podcast. Get on her website, toughgirlchallenges.com. She's amazing and I cannot thank her enough for her time. Enjoy. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining me. How are you today? I am fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. A little bit nervous, I've got to be honest, because like, you know, podcaster back from the days when podcasts were, people were going, a what? (laughs) And you have really sort of blazed the way in not just podcasting, but in, in all the things that you have done. So I'm very, very excited that you're here. Thank you very much. Now, I want to start a little bit with your history um, because you haven't always been uh, a wild, adventurous, round the world, traveling, adventure, podcasting goddess. Tell us how you started or what you were doing as a grown-up before you got to this. As a grown-up, oh, it it takes me back. So (laughs) I I did actually follow a very, very traditional path, basically. You know, got my A-levels, had a gap year, went to university, graduated with a 2-1 in business, headed down to London because that's what all my friends were doing, joined a grad scheme, ended up working in banking, which is where I spent the last sort of eight years of, of my life. So I worked in private banking. So very, very different basically from from, Mm -hmm. from what I'm doing now and you were in this uh, life in London with uh, you know sort of as you say private banking and so on and I think I've read or I know I've read that you had all the markers of success but it just started to feel not right tell me a bit about that I think it was you know it was one of those things where I when I initially started and when I was doing it I felt Um, I did feel happy. And I also felt, I suppose, very, very accepted. And I think my drivers back in the day, like my sort of values were money, status, ego. 
And you know, and you sort of meet people for the first time and they're like, oh, what do you do? And that's like, oh, who do you work for? And I'd, you know, I'd mention the, the companies that I work for and they were literally like, oh, oh my goodness. Oh, wow. And so, you know, I got accepted because of my job and because of what I was doing. And also who I was, you know, who I was surrounded with was all these, you know, incredible people from university doing these similar jobs, you know, working in banking, law, hedge funds, all this type of things. And I honestly did think that I was happy for a while. And I'm also one of these people who's you know, I'm very positive. I'm like, yes, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to focus on all the good stuff, which is happening. And I think it, it, it didn't sort of happen overnight. It was just sort of very gradual changes where I started to realize that I wasn't getting this full sense of satisfaction from work. And I started to look outside of work. I started running. I started doing like the London Marathon. I started taking on, um, you know, sort of different exciting challenges, like doing the world's original tough mother. Um, and, you know, stuff like this, trying to sort of fill that hole inside of me. And I think it just got to the stage where I was sort of 30, 32 years old. And I realized that I was gray. My life was gray. Um, you know, those Sunday Sunday blues were just getting worse. You know, you'd, you'd celebrate Friday. Yes, amazing. You'd have the weekend. Sunday morning, you wake up and I'll be worrying about the week ahead, you know, and stressing about what have I got to do? What ball can't I let drop? You know, how focused do I need to be? And I was working ridiculous hours you know I was constantly on this is the time of like the Blackberry you know constantly on my Blackberry checking messages making sure I was on top of everything and I think I was just getting incredibly stressed and I do remember this point where um how I would commute to work is, you know, you go on the tube underground and you come out at Canary Wharf and everything's underground. So you walk through these underground um, shopping malls and then I could get the elevator up to my to my floor, the 15th floor, work there in the building. They had, you know, the cafeteria, the gyms, the hairdressers. I never needed to leave and I would just be at my desk until nine, 10 o'clock at night and then do the same route back. And I worked out one day that I was actually spending maybe eight minutes outside a day because you know oh four God. minute four minute walk to the tube station <laughs> on the tube um and I just realized I was gray I was tired and I'd just uh, been promoted the year before and I was starting you know how you've got to take yourself to the next level gear yourself up what are the what are mm. the new goals what are the new uh, markers that I need to hit and achieve and I just realized I couldn't do it anymore and I'd look at um you know other uh, other people who are more senior than me as you know looking for role models and I was asking myself the question hold on do I want to be them at 40 or 50 like is this mm. what I want my life to be like and the answer was was no but the hardest thing was actually making that transition to figure out what it is that I actually mm. did want to do but I, I knew that I needed to make a change and to be honest like look, I was in a really really fortunate position I didn't have a partner I didn't have a children I didn't have a mortgage I also had savings in the bank so it was relatively easy for me in terms of having like that safety net to say actually let's take some time out let's spend some time traveling let's go visit family in Australia and figure out you know who am I what do I want my life to look like and really actually plan my life because I think previously you know I'd spent more time planning my holidays than I had actually planning what I wanted to do with my life I was just you know just on this on this journey and I hadn't actually planned the journey that I wanted to be on that's extraordinary and actually you just answered one of my questions which was you know in in that hole because lots of people find them in that themselves in that hole not necessarily in the same situation as you but you know you said that you realized how lucky you were that you could just make that decision with the backup of as you say 
you know, a, a sort of a, a relative amount of freedom, financial freedom, relationship freedom, that kind of thing. So, you know, what, once you'd done, you went off for, was it a year you went off and you went to Australia, you did, you did a week skiing in Verbier, which is great. That's where I live. I, you, so I did a ski <laughs> season. So I spent six months in Verbier. Did you? Yeah. Oh, how fun. Who, what were you doing here? Um, chalet hosting. Yeah, I was chalet hosting. So, oh. um, Yes, it, was, it ended up being about sort of 18 months. I mean, the first couple of months were, you know, amazing. It was like all this freedom and I was doing, you know, these little trips over to Europe and Ibiza. I actually did, actually how I did start was spending a week skiing in Verbier, which was uh-huh. as, as a guest, you know, like um, yeah. not, not sort of working on it. And then um, where I actually spent the majority of my time, um, I spent about four or five months over in South America, which was actually one of those really pivotal moments because how you travel in around South America is on these buses. And mm. I remember just having this like quiet time, this quality time. I was doing mm. a lot of journaling. I was doing a lot of writing. I would literally write the question, what do I want my life to look like? What are my oh, passions? Amazing. What are my interests? What do I hate? What do I dislike? And for me, that's where it became really, really powerful. It didn't happen straight away. It was sort of this gradual um, evolution of an idea where it's like, well, I love travel. I love adventure. I love challenging myself. I also love, you know, motivating and inspiring women and girls. And, you know, I'd done stuff like uh, Tony, you know, Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins, like uh, Mm. doing his course. I was into all of those like motivational um, books and that way of thinking and having that mindset. And that's where I came up with, with Tough Girl Challenges, you know, to, to build an online business, to be sort of nomadic, to be able to live and work from anywhere in the world and do all the things that I really, really enjoyed. I mean, I don't know if you want me to go into more details of how it initially started as like a bit of a failure and how it evolved to eventually what it is now. Yes, I do. I very much do. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, to be honest, I thought, you know, I'll start this, you know, on, online blog and I'll write about my life and people will just be fascinated by it and what I'm doing. <laughs> and obviously that was not the case because it just wasn't that interesting. And also at that time, it wasn't that um it wasn't, I suppose, a lot of people weren't necessarily that that technical because, you know, even my mum didn't really know how to, to read a blog. So this was in, um, or, or the world I was in, should I say, didn't really know about blogs and, and podcasts. You know, what's a podcast? How do you listen to a podcast? So started with the blog. That sort of, you know, fizzled off fairly soon. I, I was very committed. I carried on writing. Because we're what? Day. We're talking 2014-ish? Yeah, 2014. 2014. Yeah, yeah, so it wasn't really like the dumb thing. And, you know, especially when I told, you know, previous work colleagues and friends what I'm doing now oh, I've started you know tough girl challenges I'm going to be a motivational speaker and you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to blog about myself and do tra- travel and adventure it was like what really how are you going to make any money anyway <laughs> I, I ended up going into to quite a few girls schools to give motivational talks about some of the adventures and challenges that I'd done and um, one of the things that really struck me when I asked these girls what their goals were and for many of them, it was to be a wag, um, you know, basically, oh. you know, the wife and girlfriend of a footballer. And I was just like, I was shocked, disappointed, and just almost like, what is happening? How can this generation of girls want to grow up just to be the partner of somebody else who's successful? Yet you can aim to, well, you can aim to be a professional footballer yourself. You could aim to have different goals. And I still remember coming home and I was just having this conversation. I, you know, I'd moved back in with my parents and I was looking through the newspapers and I looked through the papers and do it today. Go back to the sports section. The lack of women in, in mm-hmm. sports, the lack of visible role models, it's, you know, it's really, really pretty horrendous. And I thought, well, what hope do these girls have? You know, I'm, you know, in my, in my thirties, um, you know, educated, 
and I'm struggling to find these these women of adventure and, and these role models. So these young girls don't really stand a chance. And I was part of this um, this mastermind group, and this guy said to me, he said, "Well, why don't you start a podcast?" And my first, oh no, I'm not technical. I couldn't start a podcast. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, how can I do that? But you know, I I did. I figured it out, and it was an absolute game changer for me. So I started the Tough Girl podcast on the fourth of August, two thousand and fifteen. Produced one episode every single week, um, very very consistently. It took me six months to get twenty five thousand downloads, a, a year to get a hundred thousand. Um, I then started doing two episodes per week. We hit a million, um, you know, in at the end of twenty nineteen. And it's, it's been incredible because I've been able to share 300 plus stories of women doing amazing, incredible physical challenges. Um, and so, yeah, so it's coming up to the six year anniversary in August this year. And it has completely changed my life. It's given me the freedom to go out and do my own adventures and challenges. So, you know, not only do I talk the talk as such, but I also walk the walk. And um, what it's done is it, it's sort of caused this sort of ripple effect. Because what mm. happens is women will hear other women think, but she's just like me. Oh, yeah. And oh, she looks like me. And oh, but she's divorced. And oh, she's got kids and she's gone on to do it. And, you know, all these different stories. And then they go out and they're like, well, what can I do? And then they do it themselves and they build up their self-confidence and their friends and family start thinking, oh, well, if she can do it, I can do it. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been amazing. <laughs> Oh, it's absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. I love that because it's it's the reason I started mine for similar but different reasons, but with almost the same mission, just to say, you know, mine is sort of a, not just sporting challenges, but just to get people listening, women listening and going, just as you say, wow, she's just a woman like me and she's doing these things. And I might not fancy the same thing she's doing, but I could do another thing. And I, I just, I love that so much. Congratulations on your six years uh, in, in the business. Uh, that's absolutely extraordinary. I'm going to, uh, since we're talking about the podcast, I'm going to talk about that first. And then I want to come on to your adventures because you are one of your own, like you've become one of your own guests in a way. Um, I want to ask you about the podcast though. So, okay, I'm going to start with my top question. Who have been your top three guests and why? Oh my gosh. Yes, that's, I mean, that's a brutal question. I know, because it doesn't mean that all the others are crap. It just means like the three that you've cut or two or three that you've come off and gone, whoa. Well, there's, um, the first one has to be Rosie Swell Pope, who is, um, she's 74 years young. She's this, she's led the most incredible life that you can possibly imagine. She's, she ran around, she's run around the world. Uh, recently, she was running from uh, Brighton in the UK to, um, to planning to go all the way through to Nepal, um, but obviously got got stuck in Turkey. Um, mm. And I spoke to Rosie, and um, and I just felt like this like instant connection, like I knew her. And it, I don't know, I just thought if I am her age, you know, in my seventies, doing the stuff that she is doing, like that will just be incredible. I mean, I I occasionally re-listen to episodes, and I remember re-listening to Rosie's episode, and I was on on the train. And um, I had, it was one of those, uh, the train journeys where I had to, you know, get off one train to get onto another train. I was so absorbed in the episode that I hadn't realized that my trip, my first train had arrived at the station. And I was just oh. sat on the train by myself in this a whole other world <laughs> being inspired until I suddenly looked up and looked around. And I was like, hold on, where are all the people? What? Why aren't we moving? And I had to, you know, get up, run to try and catch my second train. But Rosie's an incredible inspiration. And I've met her quite a few times since now. And I speak to her quite regularly on the phone. So 
Oh, nice. She's just she's just amazing. Another episode which really stands out for me as well is um, is the Rod Savage episode. So oh, she's amazing. Uh, yeah, she's she's incredible. She's um, she's an ocean rower. She's the first woman to row the Indian, the Atlantic, and the Pacific Ocean. And I think a couple of the reasons it stood out for me was because Rod was thirty eight when she left her career, and she worked in uh, you know consulting and had mm. you know like management consultant, city corporate type of job, and then again massively changed her life. And for me, when I, I think I spoke to her when I was 33 or 34, and I, it just basically, it gave me hope. I was like, well, hold on. You know, I've almost got like, a, you know, a four or five year head start. And, it, and you know what? The other thing was, it's not too late to do something new and to do something, um, to do something different. So yeah, Ros Savage connected with me personally. And, you know, Ros has actually gone on, she's doing her doctorate at the moment or her, she's doing a DPROF. Um, and that's something that I've thought about doing in the future as well. Um, who would the third one? Do you know what the third one would be is, um, this is quite interesting. So when I when I started the podcast, I reached out to my community and started, reached out to my guests, you know, and, and ended up meeting quite a few of them in real life. And, and I was getting their feedback. And, and some of the feedback I got was, Sarah, you know, it's incredible that you speak to these Olympians and women who've climbed Mount Everest and rode oceans and sailed around the world. But you know, I'm never going to, to do those types mm. of challenges. And, and basically what they said was, you know, it sort of makes me feel, feel a little bit bad about, about yeah. myself. And, and, and that was a real eye-opener for me because I suppose how I, I always just, I'd always listen to the episode, not that I would, you know, I know that I'd never be like an Olympian, but I'd pick and choose the bits that I could, well, maybe I could adapt that and use that to my life. But it made mm. me think, I just don't want other women to feel bad by listening to these episodes. And challenge and adventure is for is for everyone. So back in 2017, I reached out to my community and said, look, I want to follow for a year the journey of seven women with their challenges and their goals to really track, to show what it's like behind the scenes. Because all too often, you speak to women um, you know, who've completed a challenge. They've run the marathon. They've climbed mm. the mountain. But actually, we don't know what's gone on behind the scenes and you know the setbacks that they faced and you know how it almost didn't happen and what they had to overcome so I got these seven incredible women um you know a whole range of different challenges we had like Ray Red she was a new runner who was going after her first um, ultra we spoke with Gemma Smith who was going she was wanting to climb Kilimanjaro the Matterhorn and the Eiger we spoke with Rachel Wise who was taking a gap year with her husband and three daughters and heading off to travel around the world Laura Try had this ambition to row 1,800 miles around the around the coast of Great Britain, and her dream was also to row um, row the Atlantic. And basically, we started the interview in you know December 2016, and then every couple of months we would speak to them, and it was fascinating because things do happen. One of um, one of the women got ended up getting pregnant. She was told she would never be able to have children, so this you know this massive massive shock to her. Um, with uh, with Laura Try specifically, it was trying to raise the money. She needed to raise twenty five thousand mm. pounds, and that was fast because I had people messaging me worried about Laura because um, you know because they could hear the stress that she was under. Hear what you know, every day she's getting up at four in the morning to reach out, to email, to connect with people, to to try and get sponsorship. And I don't think people had any idea what goes into these types of challenges. No. And you know, the, another classic is you know with Gemma Smith. Gemma is, you know, she is organized. She is efficient. She is focused. She's committed. She was working with a PT. She's a, she's a planner. You know, Gemma did everything absolutely right, 100%. She climbed Kilimanjaro, absolutely amazing. 
headed out to go and oh, it's like I'm spoiling the story but she you know she kind of headed out to climb the Matterhorn and the Eiger bad weather you know she mm. Gemma worked a full-time job she had two weeks of the year to go off and climb the mountains she picked the perfect time which is you know generally the best time to climb Matterhorn and the Eiger and couldn't do it because yeah. of the weather and like things like that is really important to share as well because sometimes there are things which are outside of our control so um, bit of bit of a long answer, but um, I think those are sort of three sort of key episodes um, and women that have really sort of stuck with me. I love it. And do you, when you're interviewing, because obviously I've listened to a lot of your podcasts, not all of them, I will admit. Uh, do you refer back to them? Like, what do you? Because I quite often I'll be talking to one woman and she'll say something, and I'm like, oh, that so sounds like this person said that. And do you, are there certain elements from these ones that you've talked about that you will, you kind of feel like you always remember bits of, of interviews that stick with you all the way through that are, are elements of the stories that stick with you over the years, or you just done so many now that they're, <laughs> that it's not really that real, that, that the same. No, I think the thing, there are, there are certain stories, there are certain phrases, there are certain words, there are certain events which do do 100% stick with me I mean one of uh, a great one that is called um, a lady called Paris Edwards who I spoke with like, God, it must be 2016 2017 very sort of early on and she told me this story about being the egg like be the egg and and it's this, this story about if you've got a potato and an egg you both put them in boiling water what happens to the potato it disintegrates what happens to the egg it gets harder it gets yeah. firmer and um, there's you know, you can tell that story in a, in a much longer, much more flowy way. But that's, yeah. that's basically the gist of it. And that became a bit of a motto, actually, for, for a long time. It's like, be the egg, because it's not about the environment that you're in, the situation that you're in, the boiling water. It's about your your attitude. It's about how mm. you respond, the choices that, that you make in those situations. And there are various words and phrases that, that do stand out for me. And, and I think one of the other things which um, which I've done as well, which is really nice, is um, is to be able to track the journeys of the women. So I do something like Tough Girl Extra, where I actually go back and catch up with our previous guests, you know, to see what they've been up to. And that's yeah. been fascinating as well, because you can almost see how their careers have evolved, you know, what they've gone on to do since, you know, so their, their starting point, you know, the challenges that they faced since they've gone on to do it. So we had, you know, a great guest on called Alec Mason. So when we first started talking with Alec, she was a through hiker. She quit her job, went and hiked the PCT, um, yeah, Pacific Crest Trail, did it one way, came back home, got started working again, was like, no, she can't do this, and was like, quit her job again, <laughs> headed out back out to the PCT to walk it the other way. Um, and we caught up with her two years later and she just, you know, she'd rode the Atlantic Ocean. So the it, Yeah, so this and you know, people like um Right, Nikki Spinks, um, you know, following her running journey and running career, you know, she went on to do the double Paddy Buckley round and speaking to her about that. So people can take on these like big different challenges and see how they've evolved. So Alice Morrison, she was another one that also, you know, did have a corporate career, quit that, ended up cycling the Tour de Afrique, um, so the full length of Africa, ended up moving to Morocco trying to figure out you know different businesses different way of doing things and then when we last spoke to her she was on a thousand mile walk um with six camels across the Sahara Desert in um in Morocco and I think that's really nice to be able to go back to where guests were previously to see where they are where they are now but I think the other thing as well is is people do say 
different things and how you know guests communicate will will resonate with different people I think one of the key messages has always been it's never been about comparison it's not about you comparing yourself to the women and these challenges Mm. that they're doing but it is about listening to you know what they've overcome how they've overcome it what were the tips and tricks that they were using so you start creating your own you know toolbox toolkit whether it's mantras gratitude journaling because there'll be different things work well for different people and it's just figuring out what works well for you and trying them out so and I, I've definitely used you know different learnings from from these women on my on my adventures and challenges mm. and talking of which what you know I mean I've only what for a few months into this but already I'm starting to see a pattern and I'm interested to know what you know if you can think of the most commonly given pieces of advice or thoughts are like you were just saying some of the the things that people do there because I love that you just pick up bits and pieces but you kind of start to hear the same things I don't mean the same stories and it's not boring but there's always that similar kind of uh bits of advice yeah I mean, I think the the biggest one is actually breaking it down Um, Mm. because what happens is, you know, it's overwhelming when you say it out loud, I want to run a marathon, I want to climb a mountain what generally people have these dreams and ambitions and they do and they think oh wouldn't that be amazing to do x and then as soon as they dream big what they do is they then shut it down because they start Mm. going oh I can't oh I couldn't be able to do that because of this 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 however if you can break it down if you can chunk it down into these smaller more manageable pieces than you can and generally you know how it starts is well where would you start well, to be honest, most people, you go to Google, how would I do this? When's the, best time of <laughs> When's the best time of the year to do this challenge? Okay, you figure out, okay, so it's going to take me three months to do the challenge. Okay, it's the best time of the year to do this would be X. Okay, what sort of gear would I need? Oh, how much would the flights cost to get there? Okay, so the, mm. with the insurance, so that would cost that. And then suddenly, when you start breaking it down, you can then, you, you've got the physical, you've got the logistics. You can then start thinking about, you know, the mental side of things. And it just becomes so much more manageable. And that's how these women do it. They break it down. They make it manageable. And then the next key thing, which really comes out as well, is breaking it down is, and this is, sounds so simple, and it really is, but it's not, which is take action. You have, yeah. you basically, you have to start. This is what all these women have done, is they have started. They have taken the first step. And it's, you know, it's the same with starting a podcast, you know, in, Initially, you get overwhelmed by everything to do, how you're going to figure it out. And I knew when I started my podcast that it wasn't going to be the best. And I cringe when I think back to my first couple of episodes because of, you know, of what I was saying, how I was, you know, pronouncing things. Mm-hmm. But then I also knew at the same time that if I start, I will get better and I will learn yeah. and I will improve. And that, that is what happens. But I can't get better if I don't actually start. I know, extraordinary, because I, I mean, I'm probably about 10 years older than you, I think, I've worked out. Um, And I, that's quite a new thing for me. And I've been somebody who has put off or not done, I've done kind of cool stuff. But it's one of the things that I learned with this podcast. And I was telling my son this morning, I was saying, go for done, not perfect. Mm -hmm. Just do it, just do, just start. Because I was the same with this podcast. You know, I started and I was like, well, I don't really know about all the technology and I don't really know about the artwork. And I don't, and I thought, do you know what? The, here are the three basic things I need, whatever they were, you know, a microphone, yeah. <laughs> a guest and, 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 you know, a, a piece of cover artwork that someone else designed for me, go just start. And I don't know about you, but sort of every week or every, I mean, you're probably 
well into it now by now obviously but for me it's sort of every week or every month I go right what else could I add what have I learned that someone else is doing that I might like to try and just add a little tiny bit every time when you've got the time when you've got the you know the willingness to do it and then therefore they before you know it it's better than it was when you started a hundred percent hundred percent and I even think back to the when I when I first created my blog um which I you know I created myself I spent six months fluffing about moving things around trying to get the perfect color the perfect branding the perfect font and the positioning of everything but it, it wasn't about the blog it was about me and me being worried about what other people were going to say to me and, yeah. and how they were going to judge me about, you know, putting myself out there. And then I was really worried that, if, oh, my God, what if I have a typo in one of my blog posts? Are people going to think that I'm stupid? And, literally, <laughs> and so, I, you know, I, that wanting to get it perfect was was delaying me a lot and you know I, I've actually exactly like you said you know done is done is better than perfect and sometimes I've realized you have to just let it go I, and I think to myself do you know what I ask myself the question have I tried my best to, to create that artwork have I tried my best with that blog post and the answer is yes and then I think well you, you have to just put it out there but I think this yeah. also comes with this like self-belief and self-confidence in what you're doing and that for me has evolved over time because initially the reason my my business was tough girl challenges it's called tough girl challenge was because I didn't want to put myself out there I wanted this barrier so my business mm. name was my was my barrier was my protection whereas now it's you know Pete, I remember having this conversation with somebody a couple of years back and, and they were basically saying Sarah people want to hear from you not from tough girl challenges they want to hear your story your advice mm. your words your lessons and um, and then suddenly you, you have to put yourself out there. You know, I've I've shared my stories about um, about my journey, about Marathon de Sobs, about you know the, the Appalachian Trail. Um, you, you know, I've had I've had feedback, I've had you know criticism, I've had you know the, the nasty comments online. Mm. But you do get to this point where you are just so internally strong. And you're just like, yeah. actually, do you know what? Do I believe in my message? Yes, 100%. Do I love what I'm doing? Yes. Am I happy with my life and my choices? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and then it's not, it's not about other people. And when you can just be like, you know, look, not everyone's going to like me, and that's okay. Do I like myself? Yes. Do I love myself? Yes. But that's not in an arrogant way. That's just in a, no. in a, in a self-belief loving type of way. It becomes incredibly powerful when you're in that position. Um, that everything else just sort of rolls away. I, I was listening to your talk. I was on the webinar you did last night with, is it Laura, Laura Pennington? Laura Kennington. Yes. Oh, thank you. Kennington, for yes. Oh, pleasure. It was absolutely brilliant. I missed the first 20 minutes because, well, because I forgot, quite frankly, is the truth. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my God. So I pinged on um, from the bath. You'll be delighted to know. And uh, uh, it was fantastic. And you talked about that last night because someone was saying, what do you do when people say, oh, God, you know, you'll never manage that or the, and I loved your piece of advice. I think it was you that said quite often people are projecting their own fears onto you. And I thought that was really, was it you that said that? Yeah, I think it, that was really cracking advice. Yeah, it was. I mean, cause I, it's basically just the other person telling you what they're afraid of. Mm. Oh, um, you know, you, I want to go and hike in Turkey. Oh, Turkey. Oh, you know, what, what, are you sure it's safe for you to be, mm. you know, for, for, for women to be in Turkey, to be hiking? Are you not worried about X, Y, and Z? And it is literally them just telling me their fears, what they're scared of. Yeah. Um, 
and because I remember when um, I was chatting to a friend and I, I, wa- I wanted to go to Vietnam or something they were like oh my goodness Vietnam Southeast Asia you know why would you want to go there and and it actually sort of made me stop because I actually you know I'd been to Vietnam when I was um, 18 or 19 like with uh, with a friend like backpacking and I think because of my the view of my the world is you know I've done a lot of traveling I've done a lot of solo stuff so I know what it's like to experience these different cultures to backpack around to see different parts of the world and I realized that actually her life was very different in the fact that um her holidays were to were to Spain or to or to mm. France or you know to somewhere very you know to English to England where the English is spoken to a very very high level and so it was just so far outside her comfort zone which isn't a bad thing everyone's got different levels of comfort that she couldn't actually understand mm. or how or didn't have that desire or want to go there um, and so sometimes I think it's it's more about the intent you know she wasn't trying to trying to hurt me she was just wanting to almost get reasons to justify her fears and so many times I sort of don't necessarily engage I just you know oh you know thank you so much for Mm. for your feedback I'll take that on board and then forget about it but at least they you know they've been heard which is um which is good yeah no I thought I also liked that I liked the thank you very much because you know it's taken me quite a long time in my life to sort of say that because you do you know instantly I either get super defensive like really defensive well it's because I want to do this and because why would it be so difficult and I or or I'm like oh well maybe you do have a point so that it's a it's a nice feeling to just be able to say thank you I appreciate you your concern um but this I'm I'm just going to do this yeah like this so I've entered the marathon to Saab for next year and I'm already I've got your book it's downloaded on my kindle and I'm wading my way through it because it just looks so good and I'm really excited about it and I'm genuinely excited and for the thing for the first time in my life I've actually just gone nope doesn't matter what anybody else says I know everyone thinks I'm crazy and I know everyone thinks I'm trying to prove something that I don't need to prove but this is like a long-held dream for me and so I'm just going to bloody well do it. So it, it's, and it's, as you said earlier, it's, it's quite empowering. It's quite, it feels quite heady to just be able to go. Yeah. I don't, I don't really mind what you say. Cause I'm going. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's so, it's so powerful when you've got that goal and that dream and, and you know, your reasons why you want to do it. And you don't need to share those reasons with other mm. people, but you know, the, all of the reasons deep down and also you can have like the, the superficial top three but when you get really into the deep reasons why it's incredibly powerful to have that and also to have a goal which is scary exciting yeah. which is which you know is going to challenge you on so many different levels from the physical to the mental to the emotional but to to go out there to enjoy the journey to to get that medal around your neck after running through the desert mm. like that's Oh my god, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for me too. <laughs> so let's well now we're on to the subject. Let's because that was your first big, big mother of a challenge, wasn't it? It was. And yeah, because this was how I was gonna launch Tough Girl Challenges. I was gonna run the toughest foot race in the world. And mm. the so Tough Girl Challenges was launched in 2014. My plan, I don't know how much you know of this, my plan was to run it in 2015. And mm-hmm. I was everything you know I was excited and I was like right I'm gonna train my butt off I'm gonna make sure that I do everything that I can possibly do to make this a success but (laughs) it all went a little bit wrong to be honest like I I ended up massively overtraining because I just I didn't 
think things through properly I thought I knew what I was mm. doing and I was running like junk miles I was training well actually I was training every single day I, yeah rest days who needs rest days I'll do yoga in my mm. rest day or I'll go swimming in my rest day but I was you know lifting weights I was like I was training like this professional athlete or this wannabe professional yeah. athlete, you know, afternoon naps, making stories, doing my phone rolling, getting massages and drinking my protein shakes and taking my supplements. Um, and basically ended up with very severe chronic fatigue. Um, I was anemic. My hair had started falling out. I couldn't, oh make, my God. Yeah, I couldn't maintain my weight. I got like really bad acne, like all over my shoulders, all over uh, my face I couldn't wake up in the morning like the list of things that was going on was, oh, wow. um, yeah. was pretty yeah. horrendous to be honest and um, with MDS you have to get um, a doctor's note to sign to sign you off and um, mm. the, the they do like the heart checks on you and everything so my doctor wouldn't sign me off for it because I was so wow. ill <laughs> in my head I was like no I could still do it um so that was uh, pretty horrendous. So I ended up having to, thank God I got the insurance. So I ended up being able to postpone my my place for 2016. And so in the end, my journey was around 18 months of, of getting to, for me, it wasn't even about finishing the race. It was about getting to the start line, fit, strong and healthy. That was my, mm. that was my number one goal. But it's this, you know, it's, it is the stuff of legends. And for me, it was, it was like drawing a line in the sand because it was almost like pardon you, the pun yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry, pardon <laughs> the pun. But it was moving on from like my officially moving on from my old mm. life of you know city worker banker that yeah. that type of lifestyle to actually hold on this is my new life now doing adventures mm. you know having this freedom having this happiness feeling healthy and strong and and you know doing what I want to do and I and I I felt that massively that was a huge turning point for me. Uh, that's absolutely amazing. I love the fact you've said a couple of times now healthy and strong because um, when I decided I was going to do MDS, I pinged a friend of mine who's done it before and I told her and she was like, oh my God, I'm so excited for you. And she said, I want you to know that you have to get to the start line. And she said, and I could show you the text. She said, you are better to be healthy and strong than too fit. She said, that is where you need to be healthy. You know, fit is not always healthy. So there you go. You've just backed up or she's just backed you up on that. And uh, so amazing. So this was your new, this is the new line. You crossed the line into being adventurous, Sarah. And you, was it as life defining as you had hoped it would be? Does that sound a bit dramatic? No, not at all. Um, it, it, it was a key moment, and I'll tell you why. Mm. It was because I got that medal around my neck, and I had mm. 30 seconds of joy, like that real joy which like mm. fills your soul and spills out of you. I couldn't stop smiling. You know, I've done it, I felt, it felt amazing literally 30 seconds 45 seconds and it was suddenly my head in my head my my brain said to me well you've done that what are you going to do next and that <laughs> and the joy was over and, ah and that that but this was the key point it, <sighs> it made me think hold on why is my joy over and it got me really thinking have I you know it made me realize that it's not about the end result it's not about getting mm. that medal around your neck it's not about summiting that mountain it's actually about enjoying the journey which Ugh, which yes. was the biggest lesson I've learned. and I apply this now to to everything like with my podcasting you know I set myself these these big goals and these big targets 
but I don't want just to be happy when I hit that that little goal I want to be happy every single day I want to enjoy the process I want to enjoy the journey I want to enjoy what I'm doing so that sort of massively helped me with my next challenge which was um which was the Appalachian Trail because I didn't want to spend 18 months you know training for something and then for it to be over um within a week I wanted my next challenge to last longer so I could get more enjoyment from it from the the actual (laughs) process of it and you know how things worked out um I'd heard about the Appalachian Trail which is this long trail over in America it runs from Spring Mountain Georgia um all the way up 2,190 miles up the sort of the east coast to Mount Katahdin in Maine and most people spend five to six months hiking it and because I, you know, I still, Tough Girl Challenges was, was in its infancy and I, I couldn't, I didn't know how I could take five or six months off. That just wasn't feasible at that time. And I remember I was doing my research and I ended up watching um, these, these videos about a guy who hiked it in a hundred days. And for me, that was like, huh, well, I've just run, you know, six marathons back to back and covered like 200, uh, 250 kilometers. Um, well, why couldn't I do, why couldn't I through hike the Appalachian Trail in a hundred days? That's about three months. Um, September, that's my birthday. I don't really like my birthday. Let's finish on my birthday, 10th September. <laughs> Boom, take it back, starting 3rd of June. That gives me a couple of months to preload podcast episodes while I'm away and save up the money to get there. And a plan just came together. And uh, yeah, I ended up, <laughs> yeah, spending three months hiking through forests, hiking through this green tunnel, filming it every single day and taking people on this on this journey of the highs and the lows of what it's like to to through hike in America oh it's just the complete dream and you're just like paving the way for me because I'm I'm such a fan of these sorts of things uh, and I have got similar goals to do similar things but tell me so it was I want to just go back to something you said about the journey about realizing about the journey because I had exactly the same exactly the same reaction when I finished the half marathon de Sable in 2018 I was you know bowled over so proud of myself felt like I was the queen of the world but I realized that actually it wasn't just the four days that I'd done in the desert it was the whole thing like having gone from being someone who never never run more than 12 kilometers at all like in one go to running an ultra marathon within five months and I just thought that whole five months was the was the journey. It was the whole thing. So I, I totally, oh, I totally get that. I love that. And so how did this journey of the 100 days, because I haven't seen all the videos, obviously, but I have seen, well, maybe not, obviously. <laughs> I've seen enough to know that that was a brutal, brutal journey. So how did you maintain that I want to be happy every day when you lost two stone and were injured and sick and like doing uh what was it 25 mi- 20 miles a day 22 miles a day which is about 35 kilometers who those who, for those who work in new money to to be honest i actually felt like the biggest failure ever every day i felt like a failure on the appalachian oh. which, which which sounds horrendous but because i had to do 22 miles a day to in order to you know to achieve my goal self-inflicted goal um what i what i completely didn't think about was that i would be behind schedule from day one and then that puts a huge amount of pressure on you Mm. because you you don't start out straight or i didn't start out straight away doing 22 miles i started out doing you know a couple of 15 mile days but then suddenly Mm. day one you're seven miles behind day two 14 you you know that adds up pretty pretty quickly and the 
the failure, the feelings of self-doubt, you know, ask what, you know, what if I don't make it? What if I, now, the, and the interesting thing, which I'm still sort of grappling with is, is I could have still through hiked the Appalachian Trail and done it in 101 days, <laughs> but then I would have felt like a failure, even though I completed it because yeah. I didn't complete it in 100 days. And that was something that I grappled with a lot mentally because it was also, um, uh, what am I trying to say here? Yeah, it was, it was those feelings of failure. It was this pressure which I had put on, um, on myself um, and there were really valuable lessons in that in terms of just how kind I am to myself. Like I was, you know, mm. because at one point I had to, I had to really change it up because I, I was just beating myself up like daily. And I thought, you know, I can't continue to walk the next, you know, these next sort of however many days feeling like a failure, like I'm letting everybody else down. I've got to reframe it. I've got to change it. I've got to know that I'm doing my best and that, you know, a failure um failure isn't about not isn't about achieving isn't about not achieving the goal hope I'm saying this right it's Mm -hmm. it's it's about the fact that I still tried and that I gave it my all like and if Mm. I got to the top of Mount Katahdin even if I was a day late and if I could ask myself look did I try my best did I try everything that I could possibly do those are the questions that I would ask myself and the, the answer was yes then I wouldn't have been a failure um yeah but it but very interesting for me especially it's not only the physical side of the challenge which I was prepared for I was you know strong fit healthy the mental side because I'd done a lot of work mentally to you know for marathon de Sables. but the thing with the Appalachian Trail which I never even crossed my mind because I'd always just focus on the physical and the mental was the emotional side because mm. when my body was so and it, so all, this almost happens with children, you know, when you're just so tired and so exhausted and you, there's no other thing to do apart from like to cry or, or wait yeah. for these emotions to release. And if you want really funny videos, go towards the end because I would be, I would be in tears and I would be crying my, 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 because my emotions were coming out because I was so physically exhausted and my brain just wasn't really working. But, mm. but that was really it, it, again, a really interesting experience to go through to to realize that the emotion is something which I'd never really considered was so so powerful. Um, so it was. Uh, there's a six minute video on YouTube which has been watched maybe like eighty thousand times. And um, I've seen it. You've seen it. <laughs> and if you if you watch it, you'll probably think, "Oh my god, all this girl does is like cry." <laughs> <laughs> but it is. But and I, I there was quite a few comments about like how miserable and how tired and um, sort of upset I am during during this hike, and it made me think, was I? You know, it made me start to doubt myself. Was I? Was I this emotional? And there wasn't. There were just bits of emotion throughout the throughout the vi- throughout the the videos. It was also very hard to get a full hundred day vlog into into a six minute sort of clip. Yeah. And I ended up rewatching quite a lot. I thought, oh my god, no, it's a, it's joy and it's fun and it's happiness. Um, but the reason it's always so important to show those, those tough days is because that's the reality of the situation when you're out doing these big physical challenges. It's not yeah. always sunshine. It's not always beautiful. It's days where it's raining, it's mud, it's blisters. You've only got one Snickers left. You know, you've got to walk 12 miles until you yeah. know, the next resupply. And people don't see that side of these type, the, these challenges. And I just wanted to be really transparent and also really authentic like do you know what I am having a rubbish day um but this is how I get through it this is what I mm. need to do this is how I change my state these are the trip the tips and tricks that I employ to to get back uh, to get back onto it 
And this is how I show up and continue to do what I need to do to get to the finish line. I think I find that people that's the bit that interests people I think the most you know if you watch a documentary about somebody doing a challenge you know it's all very nice when they're doing all like all the nice things and the sun is shining and but what really grips you is when they're snottering and crying (laughs) because you know they've fallen down a ravine and they, they think they've broken something or they've lost a really important you know that's the bit that people people love what they call the dip don't they they love that sort of the hard that's why I think you know the interviews that I've done it's the people that have, you know, the ones that get the most listens are the ones where, you know, they've nearly died or it was so shit. And like, you know, the people love that kind of because as I think, as you say, it's sort of, even though they may not have through hiked the Appalachian Trail or, you know, sailed around the world on their own, everybody in their own life has the dip. Like there's this, the days and especially now in this crazy world we're living in, the dip is something we can all you know, relate to, I think. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Absolutely. And so talking of these dips and the, the sort of the hard bits, what I'm so I, I hosted a clubhouse room the other day that was sort of talking about, you know, are the hard parts actually the best parts? Do the highs come on their own or do the best highs come from having experienced the debilitating and excruciating lows? What would you say is sort of the most rewarding thing or even part of an adventure that you've done? Uh, perhaps has has it always been just the high parts or has it been the bits where you've actually had to dig superbly deep? To be honest, it's the bits where you dig deep. It's the bits mm. where you are are in the black hole because that's those those sections, those times when you are pushed mentally to your limits. That's when you learn new things about yourself. When you're, you mm. know, when you honestly think that you can't go on and you're at the lowest of the low and you're so deep in that dip, and and you realize that you're the only person who can get you out of this dip. There's no one else around. There's no one to help you. There's no one to support you. There's no one, you know, to give you words of encouragement. You need to save yourself. You need to step up. You need to figure it out yourself. And it's just, I don't know, it's just it's just lessons that you learn. And then you are just apply it to other areas of your life. But I totally agree with what was um, what was said in the clubhouse, that these, these moments um, when you are in, in the dark and the despair, but then when you come out into the light and it's like, but I did that. Like I got myself out of that hole, out of the dip myself. And then you can apply that lesson to, you know, to other, other areas of your life. I mean, I remember when I was in, um, in Mexico and I was cycling the, the Baja Divide, which is like this off-road mountainous um, trail. And um, my bike ended up breaking. The back rack broke um, and it Eesh. fell onto the back wheel. And so I couldn't even... Like literally, like I couldn't move my bike. My bike, I couldn't push my bike forward because the back wheel wouldn't mm. rotate around, and um, and it was literally like, right, I'm in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> By the way, I had a spot tracker, you know, all of that stuff. So I was, I yeah, had yeah. water and food and all that sort of stuff. But it was like, well, who's going to fix this? You know, there's no magic mechanic going to rock up and mm. help you sort your bike out. So I had to take my panniers off. I had to carry one pannier on the back of my shoulders with the straps digging in to my Oof. flesh. I had to tie another pannier to the front of my handlebars. I had to rig up the back rack because, um, you know, to try and fix it. Um, and then I had to physically push my bike um, 
out of the desert during, you know, the midday sun, like 50, maybe like 12, 15 miles, not the most pleasant thing. Up and down the, these these sort of sandy roads, my, my the back of my legs were being scraped by the, um, uh, by the pedal. My fingers were like claws from using the brakes so much to try and control the bike because of how it was weighted. My arm, like the, the flesh, the inner flesh above my armpits was just rubbed red raw. But... It made me think back to, well, a couple of things. One, it went back to the Marathon de Saabs. Sarah, you ran 52 miles in a day. You, so I had that mm. bank. I, I, I have done that before. Then I went to the Appalachian Trail. Hold on. You used to walk 30 plus miles a day. So you, you've done big distances. You, if you've done big distances before, you can do them again. And so I would just rely on all of the previous you know, challenging, dark situations that I've been in and apply it to this new situation. And it was quite like I've actually I filmed it and you can watch it. But I was quite um, relaxed about the whole thing. Like I was just like, well, mm. look, I, I know this isn't the best situation, but there's no point panicking. There's no point getting upset. There's no point beating myself up. You know, what's happened has happened. Um, so accept it. Take a couple of deep breaths. Figure it out. Move on. Do what needs to be done. Start walking. Put your music on. Let's get yourself out of this situation. Get yourself somewhere safe. And, and that's all that you can do. And I, I do have these moments where afterwards where I do feel, I, you know, I feel, um, I feel proud of myself. I feel like, do you know what? I fixed this situation. I sorted it out. Mm. Um, and I think that's a, that's a lovely feeling to have, to know that you fixed it and that, yeah, you sorted it. And it's like, yay, yay you, yay me. <laughs> it is a great feeling. And I love that. I love that. Um, Lucy Shepard, you know, oh, the yeah. explorer, she talks about, or she talk, She sort of hosts Clubhouse with me. And she talks about inspiring yourself, your past self, mm. inspiring your current self, where just exactly as you've said, you think to yourself, well, I've done dangerous difficult hard tear inducing stuff before so I must be able to do it again because I'm I'm even stronger now than I was then so I I I love that uh, sort of thing what I wanted to ask was how have you used that in real life in inverted commas <laughs> because I like I sort of think sometimes you know it's great when you can compare crappy desert dirty sweaty tearing kind of uh, experiences but what about when you know uh, in your home life like for example we're all living in this kind of weird world and it's stressful and it's hard and you can't plan and you can't do and you can't you know or you know you're not earning the money that you want to earn or whatever it might be or you've got unhappy kids or whatever and there's that sort of feeling of oh it's all too hard how have you been able to use the experiences from your adventures in as again again I say in inverted commas real life yeah I think it's quite interesting because uh, like I always think back to like my see my see my banking when my banking career job was so stressful and there was so much like politics and bs and you know everything else that's going on and all the time I would use the you know the fact well Terry you traveled around the world when you were 18 you can figure this out especially when I was you know the youngest woman in the room with all 40 year old men white men um and it was just me only female um and I would apply those lessons to, to my job and it would get me through it and I think it, what's what's changed a lot for me now is doing what I do I 
love my life so much and I'm so happy with what I'm doing and I just feel so blessed to be able to be to be doing it that I don't really have dark days in relation to to my work and even when I look throughout like the past year I suppose the lessons that I've sort of learned is it's basically like I'm much more relaxed about everything and what I'm able to do is I Mm. what I've learned is I can only I focus on what I can control so I can't control what is mm. what is going on outside. I've got no control when borders will open, when I can go traveling again, when I can go adventures, go on adventures again. So I literally don't worry about that. So I bring mm. it really close to home. And for me, I ask myself, well, okay, well, Sarah, what can you focus on? And so for me, it's, well, I can focus on the podcast. I can focus on the blog. I can focus on my health and my fitness. What things can I do in, in the environment that, I, that I'm in? So, you know, I started doing... Um, or being more consistent with releasing two episodes per week. Um, mm. And so my focus just becomes on what I can con- what I can control. And I think that's probably the, I don't want to get too wishy-washy, but that's probably the biggest lesson for me. And it's also having this choice about my attitude, um, you know, how I wake up in the morning, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm happy. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I make the choice, I make the choice, to be happy I make the choice to focus on the good things I make the the choice to celebrate all the little wins I focus on you know self-care in terms of Mm. you know look if I'm not feeling great well what makes you feel happy I've got a whole list of things right I'm going to take a hot bath I'm going to light some candles you know even I'm going to tidy my room that makes me feel better who in my bedroom (laughs) fresh seat fresh sheets you know have open the window get fresh air in all of those things make me happy um yeah and so I'm not it's not that I don't have experiences of going to dark and sad places but I'm almost just choosing not to think about that at this moment in time <laughs> I'm basically ignoring it uh, literally yeah. yeah so that's that's my method um so. no I like it because somebody mentioned it was it Laura last night mentioned it she called them pockets of joy or something and um Laura Penhall you know the ocean rower she calls them sp- sprinkles or sparkles I think it's sprinkles of joy it's just finding those little things that make you go oh yeah I love that like making a cup of tea and taking outside into the sunshine happy days happy days and it's and sometimes I think when you've also been in situations um you know where you you'll get to do this you know you're pooping bags and all your yeah you know all these things or where you haven't had a hot food or you've eaten you know I used to have like bags of tuna for breakfast and I look around and think this is great I'm, I'm in a house I've got I've got plumbing I've got heating I've got clothing to wear I'm you know I've got a choice of clothing to wear a choice of food <laughs> to eat you know this is I'm, I'm very very privileged and lucky but I love that oh my god sprinkles of joy like sprinkle it it's around. a good one isn't it's it lovely. I love it <laughs> and so what is next what's next for you what's next for uh, tough girl challenges what's and, and how can people get involved how can they support follow what, what's the chat what's the chat so I'm actually um when's this episode coming out a next week next week perfect <laughs> so well um in March I'm actually it's quite interesting I've uh with my with exercising at home I go through these dips I have days where I'm amazing with um you know lifting weights I'm doing my yoga I'm doing my stretching and then other days I just don't and some days yeah. like oh my god I've gone a week and I haven't done any exercise this is not good um so I wanted some accountability I wanted to get outside more um, I also noticed that with my community the tough girl tribe and so I thought Let, let's do a March challenge so I'm running a one mile every day in March challenge um, where people can just get out 
go for a run. There's going to be like a bingo running challenge. There'll be like different themes that you can tick off. So it'll be like, right, got to run to a church, take a photo of a church. You've got to run on the beach, mm-hmm. run on a trail. Obviously, you know, staying local, doing what you can do where you are, um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that's going to be, that's sort of the community aspect, um, the run one mile every day in March challenge. For me personally, one of the things that brings me great, a great amount of joy is planning different adventures and challenges. And um mm. I'm basically, I'd love to walk the Island Way, uh, do the West Highland Way. Um, mm. Further afield would be the Tiora Trail in New Zealand. So my um, my brother and his wife and two children live in Melbourne, Australia. So I normally spend about three months of the year over there um, and avoid the UK winters, basically. <laughs> and um, so Australia's borders are all closed. But I'm hoping when Australia and New Zealand will go into a bubble and then I can go out, you know, spend time in Australia with my family over there and then go and walk to a road trail. So, it's, so I've got all of these adventures planned. I'm ready to go. I've pretty much got all the gear for everything. It's just a case of when I can get out there. Um, and, you know, yeah, I do, I've got this desire to go on a long hike, a long adventure and just be out in nature and the, and the fresh air. And yeah, mm. that would be amazing. So, but people can find me at toughgirlchallenges.com. That's basically like the main central hub. If you go mm. there, there's links to all the podcasts. I've written a couple of books that you, you know, that you mentioned, for example, like on the Marathon de Saabs, on chalet hosting as well. Um, and there's the blog and there's different information about some of the other challenges that I've done. But I, you know, obviously I'd highly recommend people listen to the podcast, have a look through it's because I think it's very important that you fill your mind with positivity and inspiration and things that bring you, bring you joy. And the Tough Girl podcast episodes will do that for you. Amazing. Yes, they absolutely do. And I've been listening to them with my son and he's like, wow, she's cool, mummy. <laughs> so, and you said you have a tribe. Do you have like a Facebook group? How do you, where is your tribe? So, where are they? Where are they hanging well, out? Well, it is, but it's a, so the Tough Girl Tribe is a closed Facebook group, but how I, how I basically, how I earn income is through a platform called Patreon and mm-hmm. um, which is where people contribute between $2 to $25 a month. So to become a member of the Tough Girl Tribe, it is it is now only for paying patrons and the guests. Mm-hmm. So you need to be a patron at five dollars and above to join in the in the community. By the way, the challenge that I talked about that will still be happening on Instagram, so you can still join in even if you're not a member of the tribe. It's just that the Tough Girl Tribe is where I spend a lot of my time. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of you know questions getting asked. There's a lot of support, encouragement, questions about adventures, challenges. Um, and all my previous guests, um, they've you know they've been invited to join the communities. So we've got you know people like Rosie Spell Popper in there. We've got other like you know ocean rowers and climbers mm. and mountaineers. So um, I love it. So it's incredibly supportive. So so five dollars five dollars a month, which I don't even know the exchange rate at the moment. Is that like it's like four pound three pound ninety something like that? I think it's pounds. all about the same, isn't it? Euros, pounds, dollars franks it's all it's all, it's all the same but yeah <laughs> and and so um and so i'm going to take up your challenge because i've started my new hashtag challenge katie each of my guests giving me a challenge and that's the one you've given me and i've asked for permission to um uh, include uh, ski mountaineering um and or cross-country running uh, cross-country skiing as well if that's all right miss well, because uh we've got quite a lot of snow on the ground still well what's, what's quite funny we've actually got a rebel group <laughs> so, so, what I mean, so you're part of the rebel group because it's quite funny we were we were chatting about it and some people were saying oh I you know I can't quite because of you know child care and look you know looking after parents I can't quite commit to doing one mile a day 
but I would I want to commit to doing the mileage. So you know, maybe one day doing two miles on the day. Um, ah. so, doing the so um there was a bit of banter between a couple of the members, Ali and and and, and Lungi. Um, and they were like, so I was like, oh, you're like the rebel group. So you know, it's about being inclusive and it's about a bit of fun it's not hard and fast rules if you know what I mean it's it's basically just about yeah having fun getting outside moving your body um so yeah the sound ski it is allowed (laughs) thank you thank you very much good (laughs) excellent oh Sarah my god I could just keep talking to you forever and we have so many sort of um common themes and goals and wishes for women to be more involved and uh, involved in their own lives sounds like a very dramatic thing to say but I think you know exactly what I mean when I say that just make it your life it's your only life and I love I've been so inspired by your guests we have some in common we're about to have some more in common I've got Alice Morrison coming on next week as well um and so thank you so so much for your time for your energy for all the sort of inspiration that you're giving not just me but hundreds and thousands of women it's it's really really incredible congratulations and thank you again Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back next week with another incredible episode of Chatting to a Friend. In the meantime, please give us a follow on Instagram, Chatting to a Friend, for all the latest news. Bye-bye.